Well, um, my name is Jonathan Thiessen, and I'll be facilitating the time with Andrew Scott and others this morning. And we really want to focus the time this morning on, on questions and reflections after last night, some next uh, practical steps that people can take, as, as Andrew alluded to. Um, but for those purposes, we, we've set something up where uh, you can text questions or comments uh, to a number, and then for the last 30 to 40 minutes of our time this morning, we'll be going through those. We commit to, even if we don't get to every question here today, we commit to getting some sort of a response to you in the next couple of days. We'd love um, not, not only questions on, on what we're talking about this morning, but if there are any uh, thoughts or reflections after last night, what were the big takeaways for you? What really struck you? What stayed with you? Um, and if there was something that you felt God saying to you specifically, we'd love to hear that. That would be, that would be a big encouragement. So again, uh, put your, text your questions as we're going uh, through this morning, and, uh, and then towards the end of our time, the last half of our time, York will come up and, and we'll be able to, to get through as many of those as possible. Andrew, why don't you come up again, and uh, before we, we get into some of the um, practical next steps of, of what this can look like, this whole scatter concept, I wanted to, uh, to ask you a couple of questions. So first of all, one of the things that, that struck me last night, and I wonder if this maybe scared a few people, was this whole idea of, uh, of scattering. We're yeah. created to scatter. And it, it feels very disorganized. When you use the, the, uh, the illustration of Babel, um, and some of the other illustrations, it, it doesn't really sound like a well-structured, um, well-thought-through, uh, organized approach to missions. Uh, is, is this messy? What, it, what does it look like? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that there is definitely a sense of mess to it. I, I, I guess going back to when I, I was when we were thinking this through and certainly when I was thinking deeply about our current mission models and, and how we've gotten to this place where uh, I describe it as a funnel where we, we sort of bring everybody in, we screen them and out, out the other end of the funnel comes a small group of people and that, that's not keeping pace. And, mm. and when I went back to the scriptures to see how did God do this? How did he get his people among the nations? And of course, the reality is that scattering in the scriptures is typically the result of their disobedience. They got distracted and became disobedient. So God said, okay, I wanted you... Uh, to be in relationship with me, you've stepped out, so I'm going to scatter you. I wanted you to fulfill the role of, of, of being my reflectors across the world, and they didn't, so he scattered them. Um, and, uh, but as he scattered them, it wasn't, it wasn't like what I talk about in my book. It wasn't a window box appro- approach where we, where we uh, when we're set making our window boxes in the spring, we, we take little uh, plants and we put them in well-prepared soil and we fertilize them and take great care of them so that they will blossom and become beautiful plants. Uh, or in my house, dead plants. Uh, but but it, was that, it was this sense of scattering, like the parable of the sower, that the sower goes out to sow seed and he throws the seed and sometimes, you know, seed falls on ground that thorns grow up and the, 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 the interpretation is that it's the cares of life, the allure of riches and, and they get choked up and some falls in a piece of ground that they get scorched and die. But always there was enough to fall on good soil that, that um, multiplied. And, and God seemed to be okay with the scattering of people. Uh, the, it was a whole, all of Jacob's family, it was a, a big chunk of the people of, of Israel that went into Assyria, a big chunk of the people of Israel, uh, Judah that went into Babylon. And, and it says in the New Testament, like I said last night, that after the person of, of Stephen, all of the believers, except the apostles, scattered into the region and everywhere they went. So the gospel had already gone to Antioch by the time Paul had got. There was already a church there when Paul had gotten there. And, and as someone said to me recently, that so whenever you come to the New Testament... Uh, the letters of Paul were written really as a clean-up operation because of the mass mobilization and the mass scattering of God's people. Messy. messy uh, it was messy. messy. It yeah. was just a mess yeah. in, in so many ways. And so how do we, especially as churches and mission agencies, how do we become okay that not everybody's going to make it, uh, but there's always going to be enough that will make it to bring the light of the gospel? Because listen... God is most, and this may shock some of you and it may offend some of you, but God is most concerned about his glory. He's most concerned about his glory. And we have to get into that place that we're most concerned about his glory. 
And so, yeah, I, I think that, that we have to get to a place where this is out of control. And if I look at the models, even in modern history, the, the Nestorians, the Moravians, uh, and even I could tell other stories about, in this regard, it was a time when people went and, and we basically adjusted as they went because we needed to form community, we needed to form yeah. things around them. I'm sure that raises, that does raise, we know, a lot of questions, mm-hmm. um, especially for, for mission agencies, yeah. for churches, you know, when you, when you think about that loss of control, yeah, yeah. and it's, um, it's going to be a journey. It's giving a lot of people a lot of heartburn. Uh, right. Yeah, because we like control. We like control, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I was uh, recently at um, the Lausanne Young Leaders Conference in, in uh, yeah. Jakarta, <clears throat> and we were speaking with... Um, the head of the Filipino Mission Association, and one of the things that stuck out to me from what he said was that they had a vision 10 years ago for sending a million evangelical Filipinos into the marketplaces of the world. And they saw God already doing it. It wasn't like they came up with this plan. This was happening. And they said, how can we, how can we facilitate it? How can we see more of this happening? And uh, they've seen 200,000 go in the last 10 years. So they've still got another 800,000 to go. A million evangelical Christians in the Philippines is 50% of the church. Yeah. And that's their vision to send out. What if here in the US yeah. we were we were to say our vision is to send out fifty percent of our people into the marketplaces of the world? How would we get there? What, if, what would that well, look like? One big mess. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the sense that we didn't have control, but that that's you know, I I, I have to go back to that that when God scattered the, the, the early believers into the Roman Empire, the known world at that time. An empire that was pagan became, at least in name, Christian, that they accepted this idea that we were a Christian empire in 300 years. Uh, So there there is a a big what if, but it's not going to be done with our current models. uh, Very good. Well, you you spoke to us about um, the whole idea of of being created for the purposes of God. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you used the the term not called to the purposes, but created for the purposes of God. And then... Uh, we've been created with a, a specific shape as well. I, I feel like, as we were talking to people afterwards, that's really what had resonated with people's hearts. Um, as someone who's been in mobiliz- mobilization for a long time, and you were involved on com- college campuses here in the U.S., and you've, you've spoken with a lot of churches, um, how, how do you, after, after giving a message like that, how do, you, how do we help people? Uh, not walk back into their, their normal environments, maybe uh, going into jobs or into churches where that message is anything but reinforced, yeah. uh, that God's created them for a special purpose. Um, how do we help people? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is, and I've been, I've been doing this recruiting thing for a while, you know, and, and one of the things I was constantly, I became aware of um, was that mobilization is not simply inspiring people. If you simply come in and inspire people with a message, what happens is that they walk out the door and, and you know, in the college campus situation, they, they, you know, they either fall out with their girlfriend, get a new girlfriend, or they go into an exam, they fail an exam, they, they move house. Something, the cares of life come in, and very quickly what's, that, that, that flicker gets quashed uh, and squashed. And what we find is that we need to keep journeying with people and we have to find a way to journey with people and continue to inspire. But not only inspire, we have to, conti- we have to equip because, uh, you know, somebody told me one time, 80% of Americans don't have a passport. Well, if, you, if, if, if that's true, are they ever going to get to the point where I'm going to actually go take a job, even though they say they want to? So how do we help equip people in the practical ways of understanding? How do I actually move to another country? But, but how do I understand culture? How do I learn a language? How do I live in another context? So how do we equip people to do that? And, and then how do we give them the opportunities that they know, you know in the context of sending? How do they find out what are the opportunities, real opportunities? How do, I, how do I know how to get a job or find a job in another country? And so as we were thinking this through, you know, there is, is we want to facilitate the scattering of God's people. We want the, this next... I, my question is, could we be the first generation to scatter intentionally because the desire of our hearts is the glory of God among the nations. And we're not going to have to wait until God scatters us because of our disobedience and distraction. So we want to facilitate that happen. So how, can we build a community 
where we can continue to inspire people with information, uh, blogs, podcasts, whatever it may be, where we can continue to equip people to keep moving and know what the next steps are and how we can keep them together with like-minded people that they can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Mm -hmm. Not just us doing that, but mutual encouragement Mm -hmm. together. And so that was the the thought that came to our mind, which resulted in this idea of Scatter Global, which is not an organization. It's just really an idea of a network, a community of people that will exist in this way. Right, right. Well, talk, talk us through a little bit. I mean, you've already shared a little bit about the, the, uh, the DNA of Scatter, but, but how does it work? How, someone comes on to scatterglobal.com, what happens next? Well, the, I mean, the, the, uh, when they come into that and, and they fill in their profile, the idea is to fill in your profile so we get to know, know a little bit of the early aspects of your shape, because we believe that God has shaped you uniquely. And so as you come in and fill that in, we're able to feed information that's, you, that's specific to who you are, your interests, your, your uh, qualifications, your experience, uh, and that information is not just to inspire you, but then when, when jobs that we know of come, to, come into play, we're able to say, here's a job in this country here uh, for you to consider. So it's, it's, they, they come in and they, they enter into the community, but they, give, they, they set their own DNA, their profile, so that, that we can recognize that and give them a, uh, not only give them the information that will help to equip them, but also connect them to like-minded people with similar experiences. That's right. So, so what I think that the, the, um, the, the vision of Scatter Global is really to, to become a guide for people. Absolutely. So no matter where you're at in, in your own journey, if you're saying you, you were there last night and you're saying, I, I get this, I'm interested, but I'm just exploring, we want to put you on a track. We want to say, here, here are a couple of next steps that you could take to continue to cultivate that, that desire in your hearts to continue to open your eyes to what God is doing globally, to some of the opportunities globally. You may say, I, I'm actually, you know, I, I'm pretty ready. I, I just need a preparation in a couple of areas. Here's where I, what I'd like to, to do. We want to connect you to resources and to people who can help uh, fill those gaps. Absolutely. And then you may say, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've quit my job. I've uh, burned my bridges. I, here I am. Um, and in that case, we, we uh, want to engage with you as well and, and begin looking for, for live job opportunities overseas. Scatter Global is not just the, uh, pre, um, the, the piece that comes before you land in the field. Talk a little bit about what it looks like after you're there. Yeah, and I think the picture that comes to mind even when you were talking is back to the field again because what we know, we know in life, that the thorns of life will come up and there's always this allure away. There's always this uh, attempt from the evil one and from society to, to choke what God has put inside us. So uh, the, the, as we go, just as, in, as, just as when we are going, uh, so much of the societal pull will say, don't do that, stay here. Uh, it's comfortable here, it's safe here, why would you do that? Uh, and, and even Satan would come in and do the same thing. When you go, those pulls are going to be equally as strong, if not stronger. And so we believe that as people scatter and, and, and uh, are going into the marketplaces of the world, we want to keep, make sure that they stay connected in community, that they, they still are getting the, the information, the inspiration, the, the feeding that they need to stay vibrant as they go out there. But also as they go, so that we can connect them when they go to a city. Here are others that are doing the same thing in that city that we want to connect you with to make sure that on a regular basis you're coming together for community and, and being fed and being encouraged and being the church in that, that community. So it, it's not just about as you go, it's when you go. Maybe as important when you go, quite frankly, so that you can stay fresh. We have met a number of people who have gone out on their own because they believe this and, and they go there and they can't find community and they don't last long. We want people to go and to stay and to stay and work for the good of the city and to be there for a long time. One of the exciting things as we've been talking about this over the last 18 months is speaking to churches, Christian universities, uh, other groups, networks, organizations, and they're all saying, we've got some really great material that we've been developing, we've been thinking through that could really aid people who are at one point or another on the journey. And so we said, well, we want to be the hub. For that, for, for that information, for those resources. We're not pushing any, any specific agenda. We're not pushing any specific organization. This is a place where people can come and they can access training materials. They can, they can access coaching, uh, personal assessments that will help them understand their own shape, um, and so on. And so it's, yeah. it's really a place where 
where we hope to collect a lot of the information, a lot of the um, resources that are already out there uh, that, that you can then access even if you're, even if you're just in that exploring yeah. stage. Are you ready to go? Very good. Well, well, that's really the first piece, the Scatter Global piece. Um, thank you okay. for that. I, I'd like to uh, ask uh, Brandon Christensen to come up. The, um, the second uh, core strategy that we identified pretty quickly, so, so Scatter Global was the first piece. We realized we need, we need a, a funnel that will, um, will allow us to catch people who are, who are at various stages in this journey. They may be med students, they, they may be engineering students, they may be five, six years away from actually going, but we're beginning to engage with them. And so we needed that, that, uh, that, that pipeline, that pool, uh, that we could collect people in and, and help to cultivate uh, this, this idea that God had created them in a specific, special way. The second piece was really understanding that we needed a, um, a, a tool, a mechanism at the end to actually help get people onto the field. And Scatter Global wasn't going to be that. Um, we needed a recruitment agency that would actually go out into these locations, into strategic cities, industries around the world, in the least reached parts of the world, because that's our vision, would be able to go in and, and actually identify, source the jobs in these places, bring those jobs back here and connect them to uh, qualified professionals that could go in and, and do that job with excellence. Not do that job as a, as a means to get into the country, but to go in and really excel in that place. And as we heard last night, uh, to see the glory of God reflected there. So we're, we're very glad for the opportunity to partner with uh, a company. Brandon uh, Christensen uh, spent many years working within the healthcare division of GE, um, spent some time overseas as well, and then recently has, together with a group, founded a, a, um, an international recruitment placement agency. And we're so glad for, for the opportunity to partner with a company that, uh, whose values really align with ours. So talk us through um, a little more on the company. Sounds great. Thanks, Jonathan. Excited to be here with you guys this morning. Just a little bit about why we exist, and then um, I'll go into a little bit more detail, uh, some options and opportunities that are out there. Um, we exist because there is this global shift of talent uh, from people going from everywhere to everywhere that we've seen. It. A manpower study just recently came out two weeks ago, surveyed 42,000 uh, employers all over the world, and 40% said they're experiencing a talent shortage. 40%. This is up 2% from last year, and in eight years running, it's up 2%. So we're seeing a major shift. Other statistics show us that 71% of millennials not only desire or want to go, they expect to go overseas at some point in their career. And so when you look at those dynamics, we view the opportunity of an international opportunity, shortage of demand, more people that want to go from here over there. The second thing that really drove us and kind of why we exist is if anybody has dealt with recruiters before, we don't necessarily have the best reputation. So, so uh, I'm, I'm not one of those, and I'm trying to break the mold of that, um, but it's typically all about the money, all about putting people just in positions, moving on to the next person, and ultimately not really caring about where you guys need to be placed in the proper place. And that's one of the things that we wanted to bring to this integrity values uh, that match much of the stuff that you guys believe in as well to the process and so really we want to be your guide we want to be able to help you through the process we want to be able to guide you through it's hard enough to try to find a job here in the United States let alone when you start working cross-culturally with language and cultural barriers and different laws and different regulations all of that starts to factor in so we want to be that guide for you if you've ever gone online and tried to look for a job overseas it can be very overwhelming where are you going to go, what hospital is it credible or not. You know here, a Mayo Clinic, a Cleveland Clinic, you know, these hospitals, these are good places versus the ones that aren't good places, but you have no idea until you might land there. A good example of why we, what we believe in this is I just returned back from the Arabian Peninsula last Sunday and had a group with us, and I'll introduce somebody in a minute that was with me on the trip. We visited five different hospitals, and we debriefed and went through each individual hospital when we were done, and we eliminated two hospitals that we would not place people because right now we didn't feel like they matched the places that we wanted to be in. We didn't think it would be a sustainable place, especially for expats coming into it. We didn't like the environment. In some cases, it was all about making money, um, and so we eliminated two of the five places. Well, as a business guy, you want to have more opportunities, obviously. If I have five hospitals, I have better chance to place people. But for us, it was very important to know that we were going to place you guys in some really good places that you could sustain. 
Well, the second thing is opportunities. Everybody wants to know what's, what's, what opportunities are out there in the landscape. Well, the, one of the two things that really come down to the opportunities, it comes down to specialty and experience. Now, I'm speaking more to the Arabian Peninsula area. Um, that's where we're kind of concentrating our areas right now. Specialties are, are very big. So if you've got specialty areas, oncology, pediatric, anesthesiology, um, thyroid, thyroid surgeon um, are some of the different specialties right now that are looking for emergency medicine as well. So if you've got some specialties, those are sought after very well. If you don't have one, that doesn't necessarily eliminate you, so you can still come talk to me afterwards. But it's what they're looking for when they're bringing people in to bring up their hospitals of the level of expertise and experience. They want to bring in some experience. In most cases, it's a minimum of two years' experience. Um, but in some cases, it could be a little bit more than that, five years, ten years, depending on, again, your specialty. Because what they're trying to bring in is people that can help bring their hospital up and help train their people as well. So, um, But those are several opportunities out there right now. I'd love if you have any questions, come talk to me afterwards and can tell you a little bit more detail about some of the ones that we uh, heard of on our trip. The last piece I want to just hit on real quick is some of the myths uh, that are out there into the Arabian Peninsula. Probably the biggest thing right now that, that I hear a lot when I talk to people is this big payday. I'm going to make 10 times the amount of money that I you know, make here. I'm going to make 20 times the amount of, uh, that I'm going to make here. Anybody seen oil prices go down over the last couple of years? Yes, they're not as rich as they once were about two years ago. Um, they still have a lot of money, so don't freak out, but, uh, but it's definitely not as, as rich as they were. So what we're seeing from a payment standpoint, from salaries, from packages, is it's probably about the same. Uh, it's maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less in some cases. So still very good money, uh, still good opportunities to go over there. Anybody not like paying taxes to the government? Hey, the first $100,000 is tax-free out of the country, so those are some incentives that you get as well um, with, with that. So that's kind of one of the myths. Still a chance to make a good living, but if you're thinking just I'm going for the payday, that probably those days have long passed unless oil prices go back up. When I actually go to the gas pump now and I pump and when it's a little bit more expensive, I actually like it now because I know it helps my business down the road give me more opportunities. So the second myth is in particular some of the countries is if I'm going to go there, I'm going to live in a tent and I'm going to ride a camel to work. Anybody ever eaten a Krispy Kreme donut? Anybody like Krispy Kreme donuts? Oh, come on. Y'all lying this morning. Put your hands up. I know you guys eat Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. So, Chris, I had a Krispy Kreme donut last week. Anybody? There's a restaurant called P.F. Chang's, one of my wife's favorite restaurants. Anybody eat at P.F. Chang's before? Yep. We had lunch at P.F. Chang's last week. IHOP. Everybody like IHOP about 1 o'clock in the morning? You college students right now? You have been to IHOP at 2 o'clock in the morning. They have IHOP there. Anybody from Texas here? All right. I don't know if it's from Texas or not, but they have Texas Roadhouse there. So if you need a good steak, you can go get yourself a good steak there to feel like you're at home. There's so many of the Western comforts in these places. The malls, if you like shopping, you'll be able to shop all day long in air conditioner, by the way. So when it's really hot outside. So it's just interesting when you actually land on the ground, what is the dichotomy of what we think and what we view from, from a long time ago. So those are just a few of the myths. There's obviously a lot more that I don't have time to, pack, to, to unpack with you. But we'd love to have a conversation with you guys, give you guys a realistic expectation of what it is there. But thanks for having me. Look forward to talking to you some afterwards. Great. And Brandon will be up in just a minute uh, as part of a panel to answer some of the questions. We've got a couple of guests today before we get to questions that we, um, we wanted to introduce and give them a chance to, to give you a little snapshot of what life looks like in this part of the world. Nancy Charles Parker <clears throat> is someone who's joined our team in the last couple of months, uh, Nancy spent 10 years as a diplomat. She's currently working, actually, as a consultant helping companies do business in the Gulf, but spent 10 years as a diplomat uh, working as the commercial counselor for the U.S. government in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Kuwait, and has been placed in the former Soviet Union and other places. But Nancy's really come on as someone who, who offers us a lot of inside information, business expertise, but also... What we've so appreciated has been her, the, the stories of how God has used her in those places to impact her, uh, colleagues around her, to, to really transform her environment, and just being willing to be led by the Spirit as she's uh, run in, in some uh, pretty exciting circles. So, Nancy, come up and give us just a, a couple of minutes on what does life look like? Thanks a lot. Um, yes, I am standing. Um, um, I was in the Foreign Service. I spoke Chinese, French, and Spanish, so, of course, I ended up as the commercial counselor in Saudi Arabia. My main pitch to you is Saudi Arabia, but if you decide 
that you can't handle Saudi Arabia. I recommend the other countries. I call them Saudi light. In all the other countries of the Arabian Peninsula, Qatar, UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, you can drive, you can wear your normal U.S. clothing. Uh, your life is fairly normal. Um, why go to Saudi? Um, the pluses for no, the minuses first. I'll turn you off. Um, so early in the morning. Uh, the Saudi is a very boring country uh, because there are no movie theaters, no alcohol, yada, yada, yada. You basically watch a lot of TV, a lot of cable. Uh, and I saw more Christian TV there than, than I see anywhere else. That You could get every channel in the world by cable. So you watch TV. You invite people to your house for dinner. They invite you to their house for dinner. You go shopping. If you're a shopper, I'm not. Although the local souks are a lot of fun. Um, and then you fly out to Bahrain once a month or Abu Dhabi to see my husband to live a normal life for a couple days. Um, yeah, if you're a woman, you can't drive, which I don't know about you, but for 10 years, I didn't chafe too much at having a driver, having a, a maid, a housekeeper, take care of my cat, take care of me. I say, I can't find my glasses. LSL, who happened to be Christian, would say, oh, madam, they're up in the third bedroom on the dresser. Uh, didn't mind having someone uh, help me a lot. I didn't mind that. Um, from Abu Dhabi, I do miss my international church there. I still grieve for that wonderful group of believers. Uh, so a lot of negatives. The pluses, you can save money there because there's nothing to do. Um, pay off your mortgage, uh, save money for your kids to go to college. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to save money if you're disciplined. But the big reason is the opportunities for ministry. When's the last time someone, a stranger, looked at you and said, well, tell me, what do you as a Christian believe? I'm in Denver, and I'm trying to think the last time that happened. In Saudi Arabia, at least once a week, and sometimes multiple times, people would say to me, well, what do you, what do you believe? What, what does a Christian believe? And you can't go out in the street corner and give out tracts, but boy, when people ask you questions, you can answer. So there is a great opportunity to grow um, as a person, and your ministry will... It'll, God has a great sense of humor. I went there because my husband was a psychologist, and we were tent makers, and so we wanted him to be able to practice in Saudi Arabia. Well, of course, there was terrorism, couldn't take families, and I ended up being there two years by myself. But I got to go back to Abu Dhabi once a month, which wasn't bad at all. So um, ministry opportunities, if you're patient and willing to get in with the local community, um, the other thing for you women, and I'll be glad to talk to you afterward, yes, Saudi women uh, don't have the opportunities to have male friends that, that we do in the States. But as a woman, you can go into a Saudi home. You work with another doctor there, and as a woman, they invite you home for Friday lunch. No, Saturday lunch. Friday lunch, they go to their mothers. So you have a chance to meet Saudi families, which is wonderful. Um, okay, the money, the opportunities. You need to have a bit of patience because your, your colleagues will watch you. And especially as a woman, can I trust you? Are you a person that I can deal with? So it, it takes a while. Um, the fellowship, the opportunity for ministry. Tourism, 5,000 tourists went to Saudi Arabia the second year I was there, and that was a big deal for them. They were so proud of 5,000 tourists. So you have unspoiled coral reefs in the Red Sea. You have these places. Uh, any of you ever been to Petra, Jordan? Anyone want to go to Petra? Well, the Nabataeans also got to Saudi Arabia, and there's this, this mini Petra that the Saudis stay away from because it's, it's not Muslim and it's a bunch of dead people, okay? So there are lots of great things to do. They're camping in the desert. You find these arrowheads and things from long, long, long time ago. So I'd be glad to talk to you later about the pluses and minuses. If you decide you can't handle Saudi, it's just going to be too much, consider the UAE or any of the other countries. Opportunities there are great. Thanks. Thanks, Nancy.
if you didn't tell, she's a spitfire up here, so definitely get some time with her. Well, I've often learned as a salesperson back to my days at GE Healthcare and, and being a recruiter that you guys don't believe everything that I say. So I learned to bring evidence with me. Uh, so I want to introduce Dr. Russell Ramey. Uh, Dr. Ramey went with me on the last trip to, uh, to the Arabian Peninsula to look just as part of our group um, as we presented ourselves at the different hospitals. He's also exploring for himself. He is a surgeon, laparoscopically trained, robotically trained, and uh, so I want you guys to hear a little bit from him just about some of his experiences with us on the trip. Thanks, Dr. Ramey. I apologize. I am not a public speaker like these folks, and I'm still kind of trying to get my own head around the stuff that we saw, um, you know, to be able to kind of put it in perspective and then to share it with others. So I'm a little early in that process, so I also apologize for that. Um, I didn't have a lot of preconceptions going in because it's really hard to get information about that part of the world. So I kind of tried to go in with an open mind just to see, you know, what the lay of the land was and to see what God might be doing. And um, there's just so many things that impressed me. But just, you know, to, to hit a couple of them, um, one of the things that impressed me um, about the majority of, of people that we met with at these uh, hospitals, especially the, the people that were in charge, you know, the higher up uh, CEOs and the COOs and the, the real movers and shakers, is that they were people who really um, were honorable people who valued excellence. Um, I mean, we had um, people who were CEOs that knew all of the, the key performance indicators. They could quote statistics for all of the things that matter um, to us in our hospitals because it also matters to them. So um, it was just impressive to me because um, be, their value to that gives us a common ground to be able to share. So, you know, we speak the same language in the sense of, of the medical language, but beyond that, um, the, the core value of excellence is just so huge because it's something that I think we can partner with and work with, you know. It also um, completely shapes who they're looking for, you know. They don't, they're, they're not looking for people who will be a, a lazy worker. They're looking for really quality people. And so I think it's just an incredible opportunity for us. I think it's an opportunity for Brandon's group and, and that fits just so well into the scattered global uh, paradigm because those are the people that they're looking for and they know that they need them and they really value that highly and I think that's, that's just a cool thing. I also think, um, you know, going in, I think many of us think, especially in the Arab world, that, you know, you're going to go out there and, and, you know, you're going to be by yourself. You're not going to have any community. You have to leave your, your family, your church, um, you know, your care group or, or whatever. And the Christians, the believers, uh, expatriate um, that we met are just such awesome people. And um, so, you know, the, the idea that you're not going to have families is just not, not at all accurate because you'd just be um, so blessed to meet these folks. And um, many of them have just been there for years and years. And um, they, um, they are just cool people who are just doing what God created them to do. And they are praying for us. And I think it's so uh, um, amazing. You know, our job was almost the easy job because they did the hard work. You know, they've been praying for us. They've been praying for God to send people. And so, you know, everywhere we went, it just was very obvious to us that there was like a red carpet rolled out that we were just walking down the carpet. And uh, not to say that things wouldn't be difficult, but to say that God's people are there. And, um, you know, just the, the fact that everywhere we went and the, and the places were distant and so they were kind of disconnected from each other. But everywhere we went, people had this anxious expectation. They say, God is doing things here. You know, they're so excited. Um, had an opportunity to meet with a guy who, um, for security purposes, I won't go into detail, but, um, but he's an older guy now. He's in his late 60s, and he's been there for many years, and he has had access to the royal family. He has had access to people in very high places. God has put him in key positions, and, um, and so now that he's in his uh, late 60s, people are saying, well, you know, if you thought about retiring, you ought to go home. And he's like, leave now? Are you crazy? I'm not going to leave now. Things are just happening now. He's so exciting to be here. And just to be able to interact with these folks on these different levels, you know, and to see where God has put them is just such a blessing. And it's just so cool to dream about what that could look like, you know, in the future. And um, 
and most of them you wouldn't know, you know, to meet them. But you know, I was I was really challenged by what Dr. Agnes said yesterday about how um, God's just looking for ordinary um, ordinary people that uh, that He intends to equip with extraordinary grace to go into these places. And if you meet these people, you'd think when you just first met them that they're really ordinary people, but they're really extraordinarily blessed by God to do what they do. And you know, I was challenged by what Andrew um, said last night and some of the people, uh, you know, the story of Mary, you know, the, the, the nurse. Um, it's just cool how God has put these people in key places. So whether it's a prince or a high government official or whomever, you know, there, is, there are Daniels in their lives, um, Christians that are close to them, that are in key positions that pray for them. And so... You know, of course, there is, right? God doesn't change. And so, um, you know, we should read about um, Joseph and, and read about Esther and read about Daniel. But if you want to go meet some of these people, they exist. You know, it's cool to be able to just to know about them and uh, just to see that, that God doesn't really um, God isn't limited by this whole situation. And, and I think um, lastly, and I could just go on, but um, lastly, the, my whole concept of what constitutes a, um, a closed country. I think I used to think that I knew something about what that meant, but I, I completely don't know what that means now. But one thing I do know is, um, it, is it is not the prerogative of a country or a king to close a country. The, um, the Spirit of God said to the, to the church in Philadelphia, that Jesus alone is the one who closes doors that no man opens and who opens doors that no man closes. And so I understand that the, uh, that the government and the king think that their country is closed, but Jesus said it's not. So I think, um, I think that he wants some of us, some of you guys, and maybe, maybe us to, um, to, to go to these places and to be involved. And, uh, and I think that having this, uh, this idea, this vision of, uh, of the whole scatter and go concept is, uh, is just very freeing as, as well as very empowering. And I think it's something that's God, that God is doing. Thank you, both of you, for sharing your hearts and your experience. Wow, that's powerful. Well, we'd like to open up the rest of the time for questions. Uh, we've gone on a bit longer than we thought. York, if you'd come up, and then we'd like uh, Brandon, Andrew to come up. Uh, Dr. Rami, if you wouldn't mind coming up again, and Nancy. And um, uh, we'll, we'll take as many questions as we can in the next 15 minutes. So, Andrew, you talked about snapshots, and this question says, we all have them in our lives, uh, key imprints that shape us, not define us. Take us through where some people's snapshots fade with other clutter that's deposited on top of it, making it harder and harder to locate, but others manage to have the snapshot as their compass. So, in other, other words, some people are able to maintain that vision off of the snapshots, and some people's seem to fade. Can you speak to that? I think they've spoken very well in their question. That's, that's a reality of life that, that uh, I think that we have to be aware of. And again, I go back to the idea of Scatter Global. Is that's, that's exactly why we believe we need this community that, that exists, that can spur one another. Uh, when, when you go through the New Testament, understand what Paul often talks about the church, the, the, the one another's of the church. And one of those is to, to spur on one another to love and good deeds. And... and, and Every, most of the messages that we will get out there from, from, the, from the media, from the marketing gurus, of our, they, they know how to t- continually bombard us with messages that will tell us it's all about you, it's all about your comfort, it's all about your safety, it's all about the things that you can collect and get for yourself. And those are all anti-messages to what we're talking about today. Uh, and so it's, it is a fight. And you will need each other. You will need uh, to ensure that you come back to Scripture, that you come before the Lord, and and to fan into flame uh, what God has put in your heart. 
uh, and that's your responsibility. Uh, and, and so I think it, it really is a challenge. The reality of life and, and the scriptures show it. We are, we are a people that constantly get distracted and distraction leads to disobedience. And so it's our responsibility as hu- human beings, as the, as the made in the image of God, is to keep that image uh, clear. Uh, and so that, that takes discipline. It really does, and it's a constant battle in my own life. So I would encourage you, find people that will keep that flame alive. Scatter Global is really a big part of it, is how do we keep that flame alive in people so that these snapshots stay clear? Because the clutter of life will seek to pull it aside. And I can guarantee you, if you do nothing about it, within one or two weeks, and even less, if there's anything you've felt in your heart over these last couple of days, will have faded and be forgotten very, very quickly. So... And, and, and I believe it's your responsibility to put in pl- into place in your life the people, the things that can keep that, that picture alive. Okay. I know I need it anyway. Um, I think another one that may uh, come to you, Andrew, um, this person says, I'm not a linguist and I have what I think is a biblical conviction to reach unreached people groups. Um, what does that look like for me to reach unreached people groups with the gospel of my trade, which is medicine, doesn't exactly prepare me for the nuts and bolts language and cultural barriers that I'm going to encounter. Um, is the role of expats like myself largely to train nationals to reach the unreached within their borders? Wow, it's a, it's a great question. I think um, language is very is important. There's no doubt about that, and I think that's one of the things that we've learned. But I don't, I, I don't think, I, well, let me say it this way. I think that there are certainly opportunities uh, without the language, and, and language comes. You don't learn you don't learn language in a two-week classroom. It's something that you take take your time. And I, I, I think one of the encouragements we, we will have on with for people is have a make a commitment to learn the language while you're there, um, the, because uh, speaking the heart language will help you go further. Uh, here's the reality for many of you is that you have certain specialties, and, and Dr. Rami told me this, is that, that the, the, the men, that he inter- men and women he interacted with in the hospitals where he was there last week uh, all spoke a high level of English or a good level of English uh, because they've been educated outside of the country. And so there is that absolute opportunity to communicate, certainly with your peers in that environment. So it doesn't mean that you, go, you start off at zero. You actually have an opportunity to share very quickly with those types of people. But we would encourage a commitment to language. It does take time. And yes, uh, we believe we're at a phase of mission where one of, one of our, our main strategies is that we want to find the local people, the people of peace, the people that God is stirring in their hearts. And, and we build into a few of those, and then the movement starts locally through those individuals. Uh, so there's multiple layers to that strategy, and language is important, but it's not, if you don't know the language, it's not the block to, to not go. Um, maybe this is for you, Brandon. Uh, what support does your organization provide, if any, for flights home, furlough, college funds for children, missions training, spiritual support? Um, the questioner says, I imagine working on a third world salary makes it hard to afford these things. I'm actually hoping you guys are going to pay my kids' college tuition, so <laughs> through many placements. Great question. So we have um, what we have, and I get a chance to speak, is what we call concierge services. So really, from start to finish, we want to walk you guys through the entire process. Uh, if you have ever had to get a visa out of country, it's not an easy process. So upon you know completion of the interview process, the application, even helping you review your contract with you, then we will walk with you the visa process. Also, we will be partnering with a team on the ground to help launch you there. We'll have different levels of packages available from literally somebody meeting you at the airport, you know, taking you to your apartment home, your temporary housing, you know, to helping you with the stores, connect with local people. We'll also be working with many of the employers. Some of the employers offer these services as well. So uh, compounds where on board uh, with housing on their compound, per, uh, people in the facilities that do translation take you to the different places. So depending on what their needs is, we'll fill in the gap. But we want to be able to walk with you, you know, from start here to the other side of it, the first couple months while you guys are on the ground to be able to help you through some of those pieces, help you with the cultural training, also a little bit of information with in terms of medical licensing, in some cases some People have to retake their tests or their boards, which I know is not exciting for a lot of you in this room, um, but we want to be able to walk you through it. We've got a team of people that we work with. Uh, we partner with a lady that was in country 16 years doing the education, so she's committed to help us walk you guys through the process. So, yeah, that's a huge part of us because ultimately our strategy is we want to recruit you well, we want to launch you well, and we want you to be able to sustain well in the country. This might be one for Nancy. Um, 
How do I overcome fear of being alone if I'm scattered to a frontier mission field? That's a good question. Um, how do you overcome that? You ask the Lord. You read Psalms 91 every morning um, and other Psalms about fear. Um, the friendships I formed in the Arabian Gulf, I still mourn for them because the some of those people are still there and they've scattered to other places. They were wonderful friendships. Um, if you're not in Saudi, you find immediately a local church, a local group. If you're in Saudi, you find pretty quickly a group of people that's meeting for Bible study. But it sounds like these people already have some people there that will help you get acquainted and you will make, you will make friends. Um, it is a fear. It's a real fear. I was there by myself, but I was going with my husband, and then he had to stay in Abu Dhabi. Um, you make a different kind of friendship there. And uh, so read Psalms 91 every morning and ask the Lord to give you that courage to experience a new kind of friendship. There is a huge expatriate community there. Eighty-five percent of the people in Abu Dhabi are not locals. Uh, One-third of the people in Saudi are not locals. You'll be surprised how many Filipinas and Indians there know the Lord and are looking to you for encouragement. So trust the Lord. Another good question. Um, what about training in cross-cultural work or world religions or Bible? Uh, if people just go, they may do it badly. Yeah, again, th this is really... Uh, this is what we kept hearing from church leaders as we talked to them. How, how are we going to... We, we get that maybe we don't... We're not asking for a seminary degree. We're not asking people to jump through maybe a lot of the hoops that we've traditionally put in place. But people need some sort of equipping. They need tools. They, they need the proper lenses. And so um, our approach with Scatter Global is to say, we're not going to put any of those requirements in front of you. We're not going to say you have to do these things before you can go. We want to facilitate people going, but as they go, they have access and they have the opportunity to opt in to the training and resources they feel is relevant to them. What we've found in practice is that most people don't know what they need until they get there. They land on the ground and they're going, actually, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I really need some, you know, some, some cross-cultural coaching, or I really need a training in how to, how to um, respond to, to uh, you know, the questions that I'm being asked by my Muslim peers. So, so that's, that's our approach, is let's get you going. And, and as you're on the way or you've landed, we want to then come alongside you and, and help um, provide that. We've been talking to a number of different, uh, as I said, organizations, Moody Bible Institute, a number of others who are seeing this wave of people going this way um, and and they're coming alongside us and saying can we offer our material our resources can we put it onto scatter global for people to access um, often free of charge so I just let me just also comment and that going back to what we started with is that I think I, I do believe this is part of our issue in the fact that we've only 13,000 what we call missionaries among the cross-cultural missionaries among the least reached part of our issue is we have create we have put so many requirements before you go uh, that, that it has restricted many. Because, and I think we've professionalized missions in this context. Uh, J. Christie Wilson, which, who, who blazed this trail back in the 50s to Afghanistan, if you don't know his story, go read his story. Uh, amazing story. He, uh, he said that we make a mistake when we assign personal evangelism to every believer here at home, and, but we relegate or delegate uh, missions overseas to the professionals. This is not complicated. Sharing Jesus is not complicated. This is the, the, what we've been called to. Uh, and so just as we would do it here, can we not go over there? And yes, there are different cultures and we need to learn those things. But again, when we go back to Scripture, there wasn't a whole lot of cross-cultural training for the early believers whenever they scattered. It was like, if, if, if you know... I mean, when the disciples, when Jesus, when you, this, just quickly, this, this, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind, when Jesus met the disciples after the resurrection, they, had no, they were confused who Jesus was, right? They really didn't know, who is this guy? He just raised, got, is he God? Is he, is, is he, where does he fit in? They, had, they were really confused who Jesus was. They doubted him. They ran away, and, and, and he rebuked their faith. 
And in, the, in the Mark's, Mark's account of this, he, he, it, basically Jesus finishes rebuking them for their lack of faith. And he says, oh, now go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. And that to me is just, okay, it's not that difficult to be a Jesus follower. In that, and so let's just go, uh, let's just go be that and, and reflect his glory and his goodness through your work. So I, I want, and, and Jesus' command to go was, as you are going, do this. So let's, let's be very, very careful that we don't overcomplicate this idea of reflecting the glory of God and sharing Jesus. Uh, yes, there's things we need to learn, but learn it as we go. Let's just get out and reflect a little bit of light we have in our lives into the dark places. Okay, um, so we have time for one more question. And um, you guys are committed to responding to the people with other questions that haven't gotten answered over, over the next few days. So... Um, Last one for the college students in the room. How does one learn to trust and wait in God's timing when they're ready to go now, but they're students and they're five or six years away from going? Me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a great question. And I, I mean, it sounds like we're selling something here. We're not. This, this scatter global idea came out of the thoughts like this here because I've, I've met many folks and, and I can tell you, this will take a lot of intentionality on your part to, to stay focused and to stay uh, vibrant in your feelings and your thoughts to, uh, of being a reflection of God's glory among the least reached parts of the world. And this is what we want Scatter Global to be. We want you to be in this community where you will get the information, you will get stories, you will get ideas, you will get thoughts, and you will be linked with like-minded people that will keep the fire, hopefully keep the fire burning. That's our desire in each of our lives. We will bear one another's burdens. We will spur one another onto love and good deeds. That's one thing. And, and again, it's, uh, I know we're beating that drum, but it's, it's, it, I think it will be a huge help. I think the other thing is, uh, is if, if there's any way that you can go on, on a short-term mission trip and, and go just walk the streets like what Dr. Rami did and, and see and feel and hear and, and be part of that. There's nothing will substitute uh, that experience. It will make it go incredibly deep. Uh, and, and if you can uh, match or, or, or join those things together of... of uh, finding communities that can the scatter global community or like communities that will keep that fire lit but then keep stoking the fire with things like that mission biographies is another one that me personally really spur me on uh, and of course as Jesus told us don't lose your saltiness stay close to him that's a, that's a, that's a given you're, you're on a campus you're in a hospital seek out Arabian Peninsula students get to know them Cultivate them. Find out about their country. If you make a friend now as a junior in college and stay in touch, that person, 10 years from now, when you show up in Saudi Arabia, Absolutely. he'll be your friend. So Great. make friends where you are now with people from the unreached world. Great, Great piece of advice. Thank you guys all for your, uh, for your answers. Thank you. Well, our time is up, um, but we want to quickly uh, give you a couple of minutes to, for those of you who are interested in, in visiting scatterglobal.com and in creating a profile, you can do that now. We'll be showing a short video clip that, that highlights, again, the, the big picture of what we're talking about. For those of you who create a profile, Andrew's book is also available today for uh, $5. We're giving this away at cost. Um, uh, it's, I think, $14.99 down in the bookshop. So if you create a profile on Scatter Global, just go to the back, tell York, and, and you can pick up the book for $5. So let me play this, and uh, we're, we, we'd love to answer your questions at the back. One quick thing. We saw a number of people recording. Just please be sensitive as you post or, or communicate any of this, especially on social media, especially as we've talked about a sensitive part of the world. Please be careful. Um, anything that Andrew says, I think, was tweetable. Uh, uh, some of the things that the rest of us were talking about, maybe uh, just be careful. So thank you very much for coming.